I'm Samantha Swindler. I'm Tom Hallman. And this is Oregon Lives, our podcast where we share stories of Oregon people. For this episode, Tom Hallman and I met with Wendy Westerwell, a Portland-based actress who's appeared in various local stage productions, including several one-woman shows. We talked to her about life during a pandemic, without audiences and theaters, and life after grief and the death of her husband. We recorded this episode remotely, sitting socially distanced from each other in Wendy's front yard. We're in Wendy Westerwell's front yard. It's absolutely beautiful, by the way. Thank you. And I have to say, nothing would get me out of isolation other than to come see Wendy. Oh, Tom. And it is a real treat for listeners, especially at this time when we are looking for a little bit of humor, a little bit of wisdom, lots of insight, and there's no better place and no better character to introduce you to than Wendy. Now, I've known Wendy probably 30 years. She is a consummate entertainer in the broadest sense of the word. She is an actress. She is a comedian. She's a performer. She's a teacher. And she really is one of Portland's gems. And so I would like all of you to sit back and uh, let's meet Wendy. Wendy, how are you today? I'm fine. I'm very good. So how's this isolation doing for you? How's the isolation doing for me? Well, I'm not a person who isolates. I mean, I cannot tell you how much I miss touching people and hugging them. I was just telling Tom, as soon as this COVID's over... I'm just going to throw my friends down and, and lick them. I miss my kisses and hugs, and thank God I have my dog, Sadie, who's being overwhelmed by affection. By 9 o'clock at night, she said, Wendy, would you please stop hugging me? I'm off duty. It's 9 o'clock. That's enough love. I'll give it to you tomorrow. You know, one, one of the things that I truly admire about Wendy is she is a comedian and an entertainer and definitely a people person, but your life story yeah. really informs how you see the world. Right. And I think at, at this time, I think it'd be great for you to tell listeners a little bit about your background and why you are the way you are. You want me it, to tell you my tragedy? My, yes. My tragic, you, tragic life. Okay. And I do for this reason. Okay. Why are you not bitter? You were, oh, not, God, you no. were not dealt an easy hand. No. So tell my me. life's been absolutely not easy. So tell us about that. Okay. Well, I'll do, I'll do uh, let's see. And when I was little, like many people in the 50s, my parents got divorced. Then my mom got a really, my mother was so sick with multiple sclerosis. And I took care of her all through high school. And I was, um, I was in Chicago um, with my dysfunctional Jewish crazy family. And when my mom got MS, everybody sort of disappeared. And I took care of my mom till she died. And then I married a musician, and he was fabulous, and his last name was Westerwell. So I instantly thought we should get married on our first date, because that's a great stage name, Wendy Westerwell. And I loved him, and he was fabulous. He died in my arms after only six years of marriage. He got leukemia. Then I saw sometimes a great notion, Ken Kesey, and I thought, I'm going to Oregon. I'm going to Portland, Oregon. And I'm going to just go ahead and be who I am, which is an actor, because I had to quit acting school. And I had to quit everything because 
of my mom and then Kenneth being sick. So I moved to Oregon. I knew one person and I got involved with Storefront Theater and, and my life was pretty amazing because I was on stage all the time and I and the great Rick Young was my mentor. He said, I think it's time for you to write. I think it's time for you to direct. I think you'd need to do an original show. I think you're fabulous. So then I met Mark Larson the love of my life backstage he was looking for a costume and I took him down to the basement of storefront and I did every accent that I know and I was trying to be as cute as possible and I was trying to entertain him he was so gorgeous and so beautiful that I thought well there's no way he'd ever be interested in me but I kept performing for him anyway and then uh, we fell in love I mean really crazy in love and um, the first like three weeks we were together we stayed in bed the entire time except to eat and then at the third week he woke up one morning and he said Wendy I have no life you can't do this to me and I'm don't take this seriously because I'm joining the ice capades which I think was a good sign that something was insane about him but I was fell madly in love with him and um, I said but wait can I just make you dinner first and then he said you are the most manipulative person I've ever met And then we fell in love and got married, and we were together for 35 years. It was intense and amazing because he's he was a an amazing artist and a healer and a Gemini and and I was a Virgo and a food addict, and we were uh, completely addicted to each other. He did all the sets for my shows. He helped me write. He was my best supporter and. He always said to me every day, stop, I want to take your picture. And I'd say, Mark, I'm in a hurry. And he'd say, come on, Wendy, just one picture. And he said, now go out there and be fabulous. And uh, I put that in a tattoo on my arm after he died. So one morning, 35 years later, uh, I woke up and I made his oatmeal with raisins and almonds. And I said, honey, it's time for breakfast. And I walked outside and I found Mark dead, floating in our hot tub. And so uh, the first year, I didn't even know how hard I was crying. I mean, I was, it, was, it was beyond anything that... It was, okay, you know what it was? It was my worst nightmare. The worst thing that could have ever happened to me in the world was losing Mark Larson. And so now that I'm into the, it's three and a half years since he died, I've been through open heart surgery, a broken hip, and now this COVID thing, which I'm not going through, everyone's going through, it's not just me. I I have a completely different, like the worst happened, Tom. The worst thing that could have ever happened to me is the loss of my one. And um, nothing else could happen. Nothing, so how do you... How do you nothing get- else could... And I'm just trying to... You know, I sit in my garden, and I get all dressed, and I put on my jewelry, and I put on my lipstick, and I sit with my dog, and I prune and cut, and, and then... And I'm right on the corner. I meet people constantly. People come visit me in my yard, and I find humor in everything, and also... A big thing to me is to help people, like my little girlfriends who who all have like they have this problem or that problem or the, and I keep secrets and I talk to them and and I mother them and 
And, and if I, you talk to most people right now, I'd say everybody. And yeah. I interrupted you. Which, no, good. You know, Please I actually do. told Wendy a joke once. She actually laughed. Yeah, I did. Um, well, Tom is a doll. But uh, Major crush, 30 years, does me no good. Go ahead, if, Tom. If you talk to people of all ages, they grapple right now with uncertainty, yeah. which leads to no control, which leads to gloom and right. worrying about the future. So right. what well, would you tell people? Well, first, okay, first of all, if someone is sick or really desperately poor and doesn't have a comfortable zone, my heart goes out to them. I'm not going to be Oprah and tell everybody everything happens for a reason and we're all blessed. That is absolute crap. I like to smack her with a flounder. Okay. But um, <laughs> for me, here's what I do. I every day listen to music. I'm on a Sondheim kick. I'm, I was blasting Sweeney Todd yesterday, and every time he slits someone's throat, this whistle goes off, and my whole neighborhood was going, what the hell's going on at Wendy's? So, okay, so I listen to music, and I would tell people to, if you can, listen to music. If you can walk, walk. If you can love, love deeply and strongly. Share your feelings do some writing, try to talk to strangers, even if they think you're insane, say hello, be with your pet, love your animal, try to do something really good for yourself every day, and try to do something good for someone else every day. But I was telling Tom, can I tell them about, you asked me about if I've been sleeping? Yeah. So no, I'm not sleeping. And I think it's because, and I'm not frustrated, I have a whole new take on not sleeping. First of all, I, f- I fall asleep really easily. Then at 1.30 I wake up. And there's no sense fighting it as long as there's internet and watching Colbert after I've recorded it. So I turn on Colbert and I watch him. And then I, I read and I listen to music. My friend sent me a beautiful thing by... Uh, Michael Allen Harrison, he's been sending out music, and he recorded Claire de Lune, the long version. So I just laid there and listened to Claire de Lune. It was heaven, because I'm alive. And you know, that's the big thing. I'm, I'm like, I'm not sleepless. I just have an enormous amount of energy. I'm really lucky about that. And my food is really clean, so I'm like jumping off buildings I have so much energy because I'm not eating flour and sugar which makes you groggy and stupid so I've got tons and tons of energy and I'm alive and I guess that's what I wanted to say that being alive is something when Mark died I did not care if I lived or died I truly didn't almost for two years now, you might say, well, you were really depressed. No, I wasn't depressed. I was done. The worst thing that could have ever happened is I lost my partner. He was everything to me, and I never in my life thought anyone could love me like that. Um, and he did, and I loved him. And I'm not saying it was paradise because we fought like crazy, but we were, we lo- he was my partner. He was my guy, my one. I guess it happened when I had open-heart surgery, and I was laying in the in recovery after they splayed me like a chicken and I was alive and I thought Dr. Shin this magical surgeon he saved my life and 
my higher power saved my life, and there must be a reason. So I decided to be alive, and uh, I am very, very, very alive. I, I, I'm alive to the birds singing. I'm alive to tragedy. I'm alive to. I mean, not everything's perfect. God knows. Right? You worry about the. I, I, what do you think the future holds for the people who are coming of age during this? What, what mean, advice would you give the twenty-year-olds? Like, oh the, God, I feel so bad for them. But they need to be alive. They need to cut this crap out with the drugs and alcohol. That, that's not going to keep them alive. And actually, they think they're having fun, but they're not having fun. They'd have a lot more fun if they came to my garden and helped me pull weeds. And this old Jewish woman could tell them funny stories. And they are not immune to COVID, so they need to get a grip. As humans, we like to be in contact. We like to be in group. Oh, we, we so need it desperately. what happens to... Our ability to gather, to be, to laugh, or to hear music, and what does that mean for for actors and you performers? Mean, Tom, I wish I knew. I can tell you that for me, I'm shifting. You know, I've been doing the, I've been doing a little Wendy Porch talks. You were kind enough to say that you wanted me today, and I was thrilled to do it. Um, let's see, what else am I doing? I think I'm going to start a blog. Oh, I'm writing a one-woman show called "I'm Not Dead." And it's a really good piece, and it's the first piece in it is all about Mark. I wasn't able to write about Mark for three and a half years, and now with a friend of mine, my friend Apricot Irving, who's a brilliant writer, she wrote um, Gospel of Trees. She's just this precious little redhead. So she helped me edit it, and she typed it all up because I, I can't use the type thing. And um, so I wrote a, sh- a, a, a beautiful story about me and Mark, yeah, uh, the days go by, you know. You know, I don't have the, the grief about Mark right now. I This sounds really woo-woo, and he'd love that I was saying this because Mark was very crystals and healing and sweat lodges and Native American customs. But I, But do you know I feel him? I'm with him all the time. He is always inside of me. He is everywhere. I hear him talking to me when I'm kind and I'm and I'm uh, patient, which is what he wanted me to be the whole time we were married to be patient. He would be so proud of me, and I think that Mark gave me all of those qualities and taught me how to be uh, a better human being. So the grief is more now the gratitude. I think gratitude is going to save our lives. That's what I was going to say. Explain more about well, that. Well, be, being grateful. Like right this minute, I could not be happier. First of all, lunch is coming, which is very exciting for me. But but I'm so blessed because I have a sense of humor because I think like there's humor. There's a lot of humor. That doesn't mean I don't think there's tragedy. Everyone that knows me knows I'm suffer- I've suffered. But there's there's beauty in that. If, but gratitude. So I'm so grateful you guys came over. I'm so grateful that my overalls are huge on me and they fit. I'm so grateful that my little dog, Sadie, is like the most precious little dog and sitting by us. She's underneath the tripod right next to you. I'm so grateful that Tom, in all his gorgeousness, rode in on his big motorcycle. You don't get better than that. I mean, oh, he's a doll. I'm grateful the sun is shining. I'm grateful for... uh. 
Stephen Sondheim. I'm grateful for Leonard Bernstein. I'm grateful for all the new kids that are coming up that are so brilliant. I got a question for you. So the young people who still look good naked, that's something to be grateful for. That's important. Okay. You look at yourself naked and you go, oh, I look good. And I always tell my customers, for God's sake, your breasts will never look this perky. Shut up. Okay, here's a question for you. You're wearing a size 26 jean. Shut up. Okay, here's a question. All of us understand sadness. All of us understand anger. Can we learn gratitude and can we learn to find humor or is that innate in some people no you people? have to work at it how do we how do we work you at have that? to well you have to stop being a victim no no victim nothing no i'm not trying to sound pollyanna believe me when i lost mark i was like are you kidding me this insecure jewish girl who had a broken home and finally found her soulmate and had these this time with this genius and he's dead in a hot tub didn't you have a little tradition too where he'd walk you to work every day was, i remember that he that walked very sweet. me i work a, a block and a half away at my happy place adorn what is adorn oh it's a wonderful clothing store and my darling boss i call her bb baby boss but her name is nicole weitzel a beautiful blonde little plump sexy doll and she's my boss and I I am completely in love with her and um, she hired me because I told her I could sell the hell out of everything and she said you're hired so I I work a block and a half from uh, where I live and every single morning Mark would put his hand out and he and I and Sadie would walk me to work Every day, rain or shine. And then he'd say, do you need help with the garbage? Do you want me to vacuum for you today? That was my husband. Oh, man. You know, when do you I give haven't it, thought about that in a long time. You've, you've given so much joy to so many people in this city and this region over the, the, the decades. And I think this is a great opportunity for people to listen to you off the stage. Because if people met you, they go, you're the same person. Yeah. You, you, you're not... You don't put on an act. This is the real Wendy. Yeah. And I love that about Well, I don't know how to be anything. I don't, you know, you know, I was thinking the other day, because this little boyfriend, I think I might have, but we'll see, because I don't know if I like him yet. But anyway, um, he says to me, you really dress way out there. How many pairs of glasses do you have? You're really uh, something like that. And I went, I thought to myself, uh, you don't think I'm going to put on something from Ann Taylor, do you? You don't think I'm going to put on, like, regular slacks and, a, like, a button-down shirt, do you? I mean, like, I don't, I couldn't care. If he doesn't think, you know what I said to him? Well, you know, I lived with someone for 35 years who told me I was fabulous every single day of my life. I had a mentor, Rick Young, who told me I was fabulous. My friends love me. I try to bring joy into the world. I will never be able to be somebody that wears the St. John's suit or heels. Like, my coveralls today are from Target, and my jacket is a really expensive, fitted little gabardine. And the leggings, I think, are from, like, online. Little st- I looked up striped three-quarter leggings. <laughs> Am I wearing my sunglasses? Oh, and my sunglasses are fr- they're rhinestone circles, and, and they're from the 20s. And I got them because I'm a stylist, and I went to someone's house, and she said, my father was an obstetrician, and he has all these... 
vintage glasses. Would you like to? Would you like a pair? And I almost had a heart attack. I don't know if you've ever seen. Um, um, oh golly, what's the name of it? King of Hearts. It's about a French insane asylum. I loved the way they dressed. They wore stripes and bags and the crazy people. In the, the crazy people. They were dressed just. It was all in a in um, this amazing heavy linen. Everything was ripped. It was hanging. There was no shape. It was flowing. They wore layers. They they wore you know stuff in their hair and that's so that's my style. Uh, that's what I do. If I don't look like I came from a French insane asylum, I've made a mistake. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so tell me about the new guy. Well, I don't know enough about him yet. How do you date when you can't actually oh, we're not like, date? Meet? Well, we're, we're dating on the phone. Phone and dating. I told, him, I told him that he could come over to the garden if he wants to, and I'll make him a cup of coffee, but six feet away, and if he comes near me, I'll deck him. <laughs> but that's going to be kind of hard because I really want to give him a hug because he's very nice. Do you know what I mean? He's a sweet guy. So, but there's no hugging. I cannot tell you how hard that is for me. Have you been getting out around? Like, I go walk, to the grocery and all that? No, I don't go to the grocery store. I have these two precious men, Tristan and Brant. Two beautiful, sexy gay men. And they always say, what do you need? And they bring me groceries every single week. And I've never done without the whole time. I've not gone to any. I've not gone anywhere. But I do. I'm very active, and I talk a lot to people because I walk on. The, I walk. You do have a nice area where you yeah. can sort of hold court. Yeah, it's my court. And then little Sadala needs. Look at her. Look at that dog. What kind of dog is she? Perfect. She's a perfect dog. <laughs> She's Havanese. <laughs> do you have any like parting thoughts or advice to people while we're in this like really weird? Yeah, it's era? weird. Well, you can't live in the future anymore. You can't constantly, you can't live in the future at all anymore. Um, you have to keep growing and learning and being a human being. You have to be gra- grateful or you won't get through this. If you start feeling sorry for yourself or eat a bucket of chicken, you're going to be really sorry because you're going to feel awful. So as we break for lunch, uh, thank you for listening to Oregon Lives. Um, If you like our podcast and you want to hear more, subscribe or leave us a review. 